Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted a ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Ryan Gable, 
and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and our website www.thesecretteachings.info or the network website at thefringe.fm. You can also find the network on Twitter and on Facebook, The Fringe FM. That new application for The Fringe is on its way. The old application is done. It's gone. So that's why you're not able to load it. The new application is on its way, and good things are happening on the network, and I don't mean that generally. We are moving in a very positive direction, so keep your ears open to The Fringe FM, thefringe.fm. Again, our website, thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info. A couple of the shows we did this week rattled a few people thinking that, for some reason, of all the radio shows, with maybe the exception of one or two within a certain category, why has The Secret Teachings turned on certain groups of people? I didn't turn on anybody, but some people think that suddenly I hate witches or I hate magic or something like that. I did write an entire book on witchcraft, but I guess that doesn't count because we look at things in a really subjective and really isolated manner. So it might seem strange for you if I was to bring up the moon tonight to start off the show and reference that for most of you, you probably already know this, but on Halloween this year, we will have a full moon, which will be called a blue moon on Halloween, October 31st, which will be visible to the entire world. I just think if you're a witch or you're into witchcraft, witches tend to try to bring themselves into alignment with the cycles of nature and they try to draw down the moon. They don't try to use the cycles of nature to hurt other people unless they're practicing black magic and they sure as hell don't practice magic out of a a blue ribbon style box that they buy off of Amazon or Etsy or something. That's not witchcraft. So if anybody has an issue with that, I don't really care, but I needed to express that. However, my interest is in the moon tonight. We've got that full moon coming up on Halloween, just in a couple of weeks, and we also have our Fringe FM conference, the digital conference you'll be hearing more about, coming up on Halloween, the Friday and the Saturday, the night before and the day of Halloween. We've got a lot of big name, middle name, and low name speakers that will be talking, will be doing radio, and will be doing full uh, video presentations. So you'll want to stay tuned to the Fringe FM for that. We'll be one of a very small number of radio networks or groups that are holding these kinds of conferences. There have been a lot of others. They've been mostly successful. And uh, since we've been able to do this through the Fringe, it's, I think, going to be successful regardless of how it turns out. So that's something to look forward to, the Fringe FM the Fringe FM, Fringe.FM, our big conference coming up on Halloween. You'll also get to see that full moon on Halloween. Coming up in October, though, just in a couple of days, there's another full moon, a harvest moon, October 1st. The harvest moon, officially, 5.05 p.m. EDT, 
That's October 1st. And October 7th, we have a Draconids meteor shower. October 13th, which is a Tuesday, you will find Mars in its closest approach to Earth. The 21st through the 22nd of October, you will find a hangover from the last trip into the solar system by Halley's Comet. That's really interesting. So you'll see a meteor shower then as well between those two days, the 21st and 22nd. And then, of course, on the 31st Halloween, you'll get the Halloween Hunter's Blue Moon. And then into November, more meteor showers, a frosty moon eclipse on November 30th, and so on and so forth. Something about the moon that's just really magnetizing and intriguing. A lot of stories throughout history of the moon not actually being in the sky. It's an old story from Greece. There was a time when there was no moon in the sky. And you may have read David Icke, or you've heard the stories from some African tribes, or obviously you've probably heard the clickbait conspiracies on YouTube, or the, it's really basically a game of conspiracy telephone, like David Icke will say something, or another researcher says something, or you read something in a history book, and then Someone else reports it, and they miss a piece of it, and then before you know it, you've got a completely different story, and it has a completely different meaning, and then it's suddenly a fact. Like, for example, a friend of mine called me, and he said he had a friend, and that she was very nervous about this asteroid coming close to Earth. In a couple of days, and I said, well, what are you talking about? What asteroid? He told me, and I said, oh, I, I did hear about the, the RV-sized asteroid. And he said, well, you know, she, she told me that it was going to crash into the Earth and we're all going to die. And I, I said, where is she getting this information? And he's like, ah, probably YouTube. And I said, exactly. Probably YouTube. That's probably the problem. She's getting it from YouTube. Not that you can't get quality content from YouTube, but... You need to, as an individual, go and find the source of the information. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm going to give you a Shyamalan twist to it. Where I'm going in one direction, I'm actually going to take it and go in another direction. It's not going to be what you think the show's about when we start on the main subject here in a moment. I'm going to kind of lead us into that. But I need I need to always set the groundwork, the foundation, so that you have an idea of where we're going with the show and why I chose this subject. So I'm thinking of the moon, and I'm thinking of uh, somebody asked me like two months ago or something. I don't even know why this is in my head, but somebody asked me like two months ago. They said, what's the craziest conspiracy you ever heard? And I said, well, the th- one of the craziest or one of the most insane things, whatever word's more appropriate that I might have ever heard, I'm not really sure if it suffices to be called crazy or insane because I... There's quite a bit of evidence to support it, but that the moon itself is hollowed out. And they said, wow, that's that's weird. That sounds really hard to believe. What do you mean the moon is hollowed out? I said, well, if you ever read Jim Mars' Alien Agenda, they didn't know who Jim was, but if you ever read Alien Agenda, he starts the book out by talking about the moon being a hollowed out spherical object. If you've ever read Alan Butler's uh, Who Built the Moon, We've had uh, Alan Butler on this show a long time ago. He was on with uh, Janet Walter, Scott Walter's wife. 
We talked about the uh, American Nation of the Goddess book. And Alan Butler wrote that book about who built the moon, and that's actually where David Icke got his content from. He got it from Alan Butler, and he got some of it, I'm guessing, from Jim Mars, because Mars wrote his book a long time ago, too. Alien Agenda came out a long time ago. And then, again, again, it's a game of telephone. Oh, David Icke came up with that. No, David Icke did not come up with that. David Icke even said that he got the content from Alan Butler's book, Who Built the Moon? He said, I sent away for it. It came in. I read it in a whole day, and I had this new perspective on the moon. But we don't listen. We just perceive things based on what we want to believe and based on whether or not we like somebody. And if we don't like them, then they're full of it. And if we like them, then they came up with the whole thing, and that's preposterous. So let's have some context. So Jim Mars wrote Alien Agenda, Alan Butler wrote Who Built the Moon, and they both wrote about the anomalies with the moon, the strange uh, mathematics of the moon. They both talked about the moon being a hollowed-out, spherical-like object. And yeah, that, I mean, even listening to myself say that through my headphones, it sounds like, that's insane. What do you mean the moon is hollow? That's crazy. Okay, well, NASA did a number of experiments on the moon. Maybe you think it's crazy, though, because the Earth is flat and uh, the sun and the moon are actually LED lights that somebody bought at a giant Lowe's store. Maybe they bought them in the Beyond section of Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. But let's just, for the moment, let's say that the Earth is actually not a flat plane and that Mark Sargent and that redheaded lady, let's say that they're, they're, they're wrong. And let's say that there is a moon. Okay, we have a moon, and there were things sent to the moon. Uh, First of all, I'm of the belief that there definitely were things on the moon. I think they were on the moon long before 1969, and I think that there are probably things on the moon now. And when I say things on the moon before 1969, I don't mean some secret space program. I mean, like, ancient civilizations. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But that's if I have to pick something to believe so that you can crucify me on it, that's what I'm going to pick. So I'm looking at the moon, all right? Maybe it's made of cheese, I'm not sure, but we're looking at the moon. NASA conducted some experiments. During the Apollo 12 missions, astronauts placed seismographs on the moon. And these seismographs would detect moonquakes. And they'd pick up thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And they were from, you know, little pieces of debris, rocks, and things like that striking the surface of the moon. Now, some of these also were falling uh, booster rockets that would strike the moon. Others were just, you know, meteorites. And there is a difference. There's meteors, meteor rights, meteoroids. Meteoroids are like the remnants. There's a different definition. Certain objects, when they're in the sky, and then when they're in the atmosphere, then when they strike the ground, then the remnants, they all have different names. So in, in November of 1969, the Apollo 12 crew, they took the lunar module and they slammed it into the moon with what NASA estimated was one ton of TNT, the force, the energy, the power of it. And in response, the moon vibrated for an hour. NASA scientists said that, and this is one of the most famous quotes, if you've studied this or read this, they said that it, quote, rang like a bell. Apollo 13, which some have speculated carried some form of nuclear charge to detonate, never verified that, but I think Bill Cooper wrote about that, former naval intelligence that Apollo 13 was actually disabled as a result of this by a UFO. There had been UFO reports around Apollo 13. You know, not that story that Ron Howard told, but whatever was actually, you know, with, uh, with uh, Tom Hanks, but something else that was going on. 
this object that came into the vicinity of, of the Apollo 13 capsule, uh, if you're of this line of thinking, uh, it sabotaged the mission. And uh, so what happened was NASA didn't want this to go to waste, the mission to go to waste all this hardware. So they crashed part of the hardware into the moon. Uh, I think it weighed, they estimated, 15 tons, and they crashed it into the moon with the force of what they estimated to be about 11 tons of TNT. NASA responded by using their seismographs, which I know don't exist because the Earth is flat, but it's just, hold on a second. They crashed it into the moon, and they said it, quote, and this is maybe the second most famous quotation other than rang like a bell. They said it, quote, reacted like a gong, quote, unquote, continuing to vibrate for three hours and 20 minutes to a depth of 25 miles. That's pretty big. That's pretty intense. Now, previous research on the subject had theorized the moon had actually been hollowed out. I mean, this this is not like a new idea with the Apollo missions. The, the idea actually was around at the time. In the 1960s, NASA scientist Dr. Gordon McDonald said, quote, it would seem that the moon is more like a hollow than a homogeneous sphere. So NASA was saying this in the 60s, just because it's not in a history book today or the ancient alien theorists didn't come up with it on ancient aliens doesn't mean that it's not something that was happening in the 60s. Lon Hood, a researcher at the University of Arizona, said, We knew the moon's core was small, but we didn't know it was this small. This really does add weight to the idea that the moon's origin is unique, unlike any other terrestrial body, be that Earth, he said, Earth, Venus, Mars, or Mercury. And then after these Apollo missions, Ken Johnson, a former contract supervisor of the data and photo control programs during those same missions for NASA, said it was, quote, almost as though it, the moon, had gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside of it. So this kind of presents an interesting idea, which had actually been proposed in the 70s by Michael Vassin and Alexander Sherbakov, Two Russian scientists who wrote an article for Sputnik magazine titled, quote, Is the Moon the Creation of Some Form of Intelligence? And they talk about launching an artificial Sputnik, how it would be made hollow, how to form it, how to create it, what it would be used for. In other words, they theorized on the moon being some kind of uh, spaceship, some kind of artificial construct that may be used to monitor or may be used kind of like in the movie Independence Day to ferry around this alien species from place to place to place, consuming all the resources like locusts. Maybe it's just a watchtower. So if you combine the history where there are stories of very little interactions with the the heavens in terms of a moon being present, then you have NASA confirming this scientifically, and you have other anomalies on the moon, this is where it starts to get perhaps even weirder because some of the rocks that NASA recovered were dry, dry rocks. Others collected were found to contain rusted iron. Of course, it requires oxygen and free hydrogen to oxidate, so there had to have been some form of atmospheric condition on the moon. And maybe there had been in, in the distant past. We don't know the, the date, the time period those rocks had existed there. But if there 
was rusted iron, then it obviously indicates there was something of an environment. Uh, water vapor was also discovered in March of 1971 when Apollo instruments recorded vast waves of water erupting uh, in like gushers, and they lasted up to 14 hours covering 100 square miles. A lot of the rocks that they examined uh, were, were billions and billions of year, years old. Uh, at the Lunar Conference in 1973, it was unveiled one rock dated 5.3 billion years old. The, the oldest rock ever found on Earth was dated to a billion or more years younger, at 3.5 billion. And the planet itself is supposed to only be 4.5 billion years old. In other words, the, the oldest rock on Earth is like 3.5 billion. The Earth is supposed to be 4.5 billion, somewhere around there. These are just complete estimates. But one of the oldest rocks found on the moon and dated was over 5 billion years old. So how is that possible? The moon had to have come from somewhere else. Or maybe it was just a rock that came from somewhere else, crashed onto the moon, crashed into the moon, broke apart, and then that's one of the rocks collected by Apollo. That's as easily and probably the Occam's razor of an explanation. That's the simplest explanation that makes the most sense. However, it gets a little bit more interesting when you start looking at the layers of the moon, the different types of moon rocks, some of them were magnetized. Some of them had different chemical compositions in the soil, which can be explained by other objects as well falling to the moon. And, of course, some of the dust on the moon was dated to be older than the rocks. Processed material was also found, including uranium-236, a radioactive nuclear waste in spent fuel rods. That's weird. And neptunium-237 used as a radioactive nuclear reactor component according to the Argonne National Library. That's one of the big ones if you want to check it out. That's not before it's news. Both of these elements do not apparently appear. I mean, I don't know, but they don't appear anywhere in nature. They're processed in a laboratory. And these were found on the moon. And then, of course, you have evidence of like artificial hollowing taking place on the moon, like where material had been removed to create these these pits, these cavities on the moon. So you put all this together, and you start thinking, well, the moon obviously isn't what we're told that it is. And that's pretty clear. And I don't think it's necessarily because of a conspiracy per se. I think it's more because scientists whether they work for government or they work for universities, can't really figure out what's going on on Earth a lot of the time. So I highly doubt that having the limited interaction they do with a planetary body so far away that they can really figure out what's going on in the moon any more than they can figure out what's going on on Earth. Like, for example, one of the hottest places in the world, Death Valley, you have hundreds of rocks and this goes back to the 1850s, maybe even before, at least in Death Valley, about a couple of times every decade or so, you get this evidence of these rocks moving. They're called sailing stones, and they move across the desert floor. And uh, as a result of that, these rocks that kind of move and race, they call it racetrack plea. You can look this up, racetrack plea. And so whether or not you're satisfied with the now official explanation for why these rocks move with the water, the freezing of the water, the breaking up of the water, the melting of the water, and then the sliding of the rocks in the mud, which is, a, it sounds like a plausible explanation, sure, and it might be. And in fact, that's not really the point of tonight's show. The point in the question is, let's say the scientists are right. Let's say that the rocks are moving in Death Valley. 
because of environmental conditions with water and ice and things of this nature. So if that's the case, and if you're waiting to see what this has to do with the moon, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, then someone would need to explain why the same exact series of phenomenon have been observed on the moon. And these are in NASA photographs. You can see this, that the moon has... Some of these are high-resolution images. You can see objects that are likewise moving across the surface of the moon. Uh, They're moving across the surface of the moon, and there's no apparent explanation because there aren't humans there pushing them. And it's not supposed to be because of water and ice, although NASA detected water on the moon like a long time ago. All right, I could give you the exact date, but it's a long, long, long time ago. But no, they're still looking in the 21st century. Did scientists finally find water on the moon? Uh, they found it back in the 60s and 70s. And they found stuff on Mars. They just, if we have no context to it, then we don't, we don't have any idea. But they find the same things on the moon that these rocks are moving. So it's not so much like, hey, maybe aliens are moving the rocks. I think it's more like, oh, maybe there's an environment on the moon. Maybe whatever is going on in the moon is explainable by what's going on in Death Valley. Just a thought. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Check out our website. Subscribe today. Get access to the whole show archive, the montages, and more. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay with us. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. More on the sailing stones and the relationship to the hollow moon. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK The Fringe FM. 
The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on Tee Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. Have you noticed that well-known and controversial talk show hosts have recently been censored on the internet by corporate and political interests? Hey guys, it's Clyde Lewis here with Ground Zero Radio, and in order to counter against the suppression of information, we've decided to create our own private digitalized playground. It's called Aftermath.media. It's an exclusive online multimedia library featuring videos, movies, audio clips, archive shows, ebooks, documents, and much, much more. Our news aggregator, Newsifer, provides current news relating to many of the topics we cover. We'll also be hosting the Ground Zero friendly podcasts like Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott and The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Aftermath is a social media platform along with a chat room to interact with many of our listeners. Mobile apps for Android and Apple will soon be available at Aftermath.media. The monthly subscription to Aftermath.media is $9.99 a month. This includes exclusive access to the library of archived Ground Zero podcasts and shows. If you're interested in having access to our podcast, it's only $4.99 a month. Thanks for supporting Ground Zero by subscribing to Aftermath.media. Sign up today, Aftermath.media. That's Aftermath.media. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, and you are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings.
Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. TheFringe.fm is the network website. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Kevin McLeod leaving home. You ever have a look at the moon at night? You go outside, the waxing, the waning, the full moon. Maybe you're ready for that full moon on Halloween, that blue moon on Halloween. But did you know that the moon, according to myth, history, and modern science, is not so solid? You might have heard that the Earth is flat, but have you heard that the moon is hollow? And no, this isn't a conspiracy theory that comes from the far, deep, dark reaches of the Internet. This is from NASA. And there are stories and tales from ancient cultures that the moon is not an old object that has always been seen in the sky. NASA conducted a series of experiments during the Apollo missions where they determined that the moon was more like a hollowed-out spherical object. Dr. Gordon MacDonald, in the 1960s, a NASA scientist, said it would seem that the moon is more like a hollow than a homogeneous sphere. Now, some of you might have heard of this before, and it's unfortunate that a lot of this content has been taken like a game of telephone and it's been turned really into a mockery of science and a mockery of uh, real investigative research and journalism. There have been a handful of people like Alan Butler and Jim Mars, who since passed away, who have written books on these subjects and have documented the data points in a very fascinating and intriguing way. And it all breaks down to the moon itself being not just a mathematical or scientific anomaly or a mythological or historical anomaly, but an anomaly that has direct connection to the Earth in the sense that there are things that occur on planet Earth that scientists can't readily identify or explain. And so because they can't identify or explain what they are, Like DNA, they call it junk. Or they just don't know, so they ignore it until a group of scientists or one scientist and a small team find interest in the subject and they go and do an investigation. This happened about a decade ago. Some researchers got together and they began to investigate the mystery of something called saline stones in Death Valley, otherwise known as Racetrack Playa, because these stones, these rocks, seem to move by themselves as if they're racing each other, and they move in parallel, and they leave these big trails behind them in the desert, in the dirt. Last December 2019, Science Alert reported on a fossil that demonstrated 
that sailing stones existed, according to these scientists, 200 million years ago. That's a long, long time ago. Science Alert reported, the fossil, which clearly shows the shape of the foot and even skin texture of a prosauropod, an early sauropod, has been on display since 1896. No one had thought anything of the long, smeared track next to the prints until paleontologist Paul Olson of Columbia University cropped, copped an eyeful in 2017. Now he and his colleagues have presented their findings at the fall meeting of the American Geophysical Union just last year. They've argued that the track in the fossil was left by an ancient sailing stone. Now, they call them sailing stones because they seem to sail across the dirt like a boat would sail on water. And there are many different explanations that have been given for these stones. What seems to be the most plausible, and yes, this does relate to the moon in a very incredible way, one of the most plausible explanations for the stones moving is that there is water that fills up in Death Valley during certain times of the year at night when it gets very cold and freezes. And the water itself freezes, but the water gets under the stones. They get under the rocks. When the water freezes, the rocks are kind of elevated on that ice. And it's not that they slide on the ice. It's that the ice begins to melt during the day or when it gets a little warmer and it breaks up. And there's a little bit of ice left underneath of the rock. And then it kind of slides the stone in mud because the water, you know, the ice and the water melts and then it goes into the dirt and kind of makes a muddy, muddy little puddle. And then the stone slides and then the tracks that would be muddy where the stone slid with ice and the water, they, as it dries out, it hardens and it looks like you have this trail behind the stone. And some scientists have actually shown that They've got video of it that the stone moves by itself, but they've shown little stones moving, uh, basically little tiny rocks moving. They have not demonstrated how some of these objects are able to move. Some of these objects that are much, much, much larger are moving, although they submit that rocks that weigh up to 700 pounds or 320 kilograms can sail across the ground, gouging out tracks in the slippery, wet mud because the wind blows them in that direction. That's a little bit more difficult to believe. It actually reminds me, I watched this, uh, I think it was National Geographic. I watched this National Geographic documentary once. It was all about Rapa Nui and the Moai, Easter Island and the Moai heads. And remember also about Rapa Nui, they did some excavation below the Moai, and they found that they actually have bodies that go down into the ground. If you ever read uh, Shirley Andrews, the first woman we actually interviewed, she talked to us years ago. Something that I did not know about Rapa Nui uh, was the language that the native people spoke there that they had they had written. It was called Rongo Rongo, something to that effect, and it was destroyed by the missionaries that came to teach the savages about God by destroying their language and all the history and culture. And so Rapa Nui with the Moai heads, there's a documentary and these people got together and they tried to replicate the heads. So they created like a fake Moai head and they tried to move it down the mountain 
from where it would have been cut. And it's not a theory of where they cut these things from because there are some that are still preserved in the rock on the island that, have, that were not finished. They weren't completely cut out of the rock yet. At least there was one that I saw there. So they create this thing, they create this moai, and they bring it down the mountain. And it's really funny because they're like, all right, we think that they walked these things down. So they put some ropes on it, and then they're like, all right, pull, 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 and they pull back and forth, and they kind of, they do. They get it to walk down the side of the mountain, and then they get down, you know, a certain distance, and then the thing is so heavy it falls over, and then they come over to the scientist, and he's like, well, you know, um, it proves that they, the theory that they walked these things down the down the dirt here, you know, and then that's like it. And it's like, well, yeah, it proves they walked them, but yours didn't go all the way. Yours fell into the dirt, and you didn't carry it any further. And then it got better in the documentary because they're like, and also these Moai heads that the scientists created were only about an eighth of the size of the real Moai heads. <laughs> You're just thinking, okay, so they basically took a, they chipped off a piece of the rock and they tried to drag it down the mountain unsuccessfully and concluded because they were able to drag an eighth, an eighth of the size of the real head, that means that the real heads were dragged down the mountain in a, in a more precise fashion and placed in the positions they're positioned in. Despite the fact that the heads were much, much larger because they only experimented with an eighth and because the heads also have giant bodies underneath the dirt where they've been buried. So I'm sure that's how the heads were moved. And it's just like National Geographic or Discovery Channel. It's like, this is the, this is what actually happened. It's not what actually happened. And they did the same thing with the stones out here at Death Valley. Same thing. They're like, well, we got the stones to move, but uh, to be fair, these were like, you know, ones we can hold in our hands. We haven't explained how a 700-pound stone can move, but we think it's the ice and we think it's the wind. I mean, there's a lot of wind and a lot of ice and a lot of similar conditions, I'm, I imagine, all over planet Earth, and we're not seeing sailing stones all over Earth. So I don't know why these rocks are moving. Obviously, people think uh, they, th- they think they say, well, it's aliens. So I don't know why everything has to be aliens, but some people have gone out there and recorded and they see objects or lights in the sky. I, that, that one makes the least amount of sense to me, okay? I mean, I get the idea of aliens and crop formations, but corn circles, crop circles, but not rocks in Death Valley. What point could that be making? But maybe it is aliens. I don't know. If that makes you money, then be my guest. I don't think it's aliens. However, I also don't think that it's even a step down from aliens. I don't really think it's supernatural. I I think it's very natural, and I think it's plausible that the explanation that researchers came up with in the last decade is that it's ice and that it... I think that's accurate only because of, of this reason. Because if that would even close to kind of maybe explain why the rocks are moving... It presents another interesting question. Why do we see the same phenomenon on the moon? Now, you might be thinking if you saw the sailing stones in Death Valley, what do you mean, Ryan? What do you mean these are on the moon? Well, let me explain. On the moon, that's right, the moon, the cheese up there in the sky, You look on the moon, up there on the moon, you find 
that there are stones or rocks or something that move across the, su- the surface of, of, of the lunar sphere or the lunar disk, whatever you want. And that's very strange because if what's happening on Earth is described with what we consider to be like the only way to understand the world, the scientific process by which we observe, which is also myth and it's also history, a lot of things are science. But if it's described through liquids, winds, solids, you know, water, ice, wind, and temperature change, that would indicate that if the same thing is happening on the moon, it would likely be that there's some kind of environmental conditions that exist that are prevalent for these objects to move on the surface of the moon. So I, I, I started looking at this back in like 2013, 2014. At the time, I was on a different radio network, and I did a show one night, and the very next morning, I got up and I went online to look at some news. There was a story about these sailing stones, and it's, I remember the headline. It was something to the effect of scientists finally figured out the mystery of sailing stones, and they had this picture of what was going on in, in Death Valley, racetrack Playa. And they showed that these rocks are moving, and they said this is where they came up with the theory, like seven, eight years ago, that these rocks are moving because of conditions with the ice and the water. I thought that was really interesting. I thought, I just talked about that last night. That's really weird that they'd been working on this. I did the show on it, and then they come out, and they're like, oh, we figured it out the next day. And I hadn't really thought you know, much more about it after that. I think I might have talked about it on one or two shows here or there. But it came back to my conscious awareness in the last few days for, for a couple of different reasons. One, I was having a conversation with somebody about the hollow moon the other day, and I started thinking about the sailing stones. I'll explain why that is. And I was having another conversation about the sailing stones, and then I thought about the moon so I'm having a moon conversation. I thought about the stones. I was having a stone conversation. thought about the moon. And I, these two things come together. And here's why they come together. I was looking at a book. Some of you may know this book. Some of you may not. It's called Alien Bases on the Moon, number two. There was a number one. This one was written by Fred Steckling. And Fred Steckling wrote in this book. He had some documents in this book. His father did a lot of this uh a lot of this work. In the preface of the book, he talks about his father passing away in 1991, and which was the year I was born. And the book he wrote, we discovered alien bases on the moon. And so this is a continuation of his father's work, from what I understand. Uh, regardless of that, he has images in here that you can cross-reference with NASA archives. And he shows that there are objects... I'm going to read you what the caption to this photograph says. If you have this book by some chance, Alien Bases on the Moon, Part 2, page 53, plate number 20, an area blow-up of NASA photo number 67-H-1135 LOV, Lunar Observatory. Objects rolling up and down hills on craters. Large object is about 75 feet across inside the crater Vitello. Smaller object to the north. You look at this picture and its implications are kind of disturbing because it's not like 
a flying saucer. It's not like, you know, an alien Martian base. It's an object 75 feet across, at least, moving across the surface of the moon, down hills on craters. There's lots of photos like this. It's documented by NASA. It doesn't get any kind of attention in the press. You know, there's no attention on this. Like, hey, look at these objects moving to the moon. And there never really has been, with the exception of a few people who pointed this out. But there's something clearly moving. And so we can explain it simply if the scientists in Death Valley are correct, then this rock is moving because of environmental conditions. But that has to be false because there aren't environmental conditions on the moon that would allow for this, right? If there are, then it changes the story of the moon because that means that, well, look, there's obviously environmental conditions on the moon that allows water to be present and allows ice to form, and then the winds on the moon would then move these rocks. So in this book, documenting a couple of other images, there are uh, some blow-ups of the original image of uh, 67H1135LOV, a blow-up of that. And then another image from Apollo 16. This is an Apollo 16 image, number 16-19067. 30 miles of straight stitch marks up and down hill, leaving tracks identical to plate number 23, which is an area blow-up of the original NASA photo 67H1135LOV, except this one goes down a crater, across the crater. So, Steckling wrote in 1981, Steckling wrote this in 1981, he drew this out, a conception of a rolling object and theorized that it was a type of mining or soil testing device. That's just a theory. So we have a lot of stuff going on here. We have Rocks in Death Valley, racetrack playa, that are moving across the desert floor. And these rocks that are moving, scientists have come up with all kinds of explanations from bacteria to ice and environmental conditions. Let's just accept that that's the best explanation we have. And that's logical and it makes sense and it's correct. If that is the case, one may need to explain, if asked in a serious manner, why the same kinds of rocks are moving on the moon. And these aren't stones. These are rocks that are 75 feet across or larger. Some are smaller that are moving across the surface of the moon, down hills, up hills, across craters, miles and miles and miles in a straight line. Even the stones in Death Valley don't go in a straight line for very long. So this indicates that there's clearly environmental conditions that allow this to occur on the moon. Or as Mr. Steckling suggested, perhaps these are mining vehicles or something of that nature, which would then open the door for questioning who's mining, who's testing the soil, who's operating these vehicles. Well, maybe there aren't little aliens or big aliens. Maybe they're not human. Maybe these are run by robots, or they are robots. They're run by AI. Maybe they're left over from a past civilization. Maybe they are part of our civilization, part of another form of a space program, a secret space program, if you will. 
Maybe they're from an alien race. Maybe they are part of the cleaning or processing services of the hollowed-out spherical object that we call the moon, Selene or Luna, because as the two Russian scientists proposed in the 70s, they believed that the moon was an ideal candidate, and their theory was that it was an ideal candidate to be an, an alien spaceship that it was hollowed out, and it sounds insane, but Apollo missions tested and confirmed the theory that the moon, quote, rang like a bell and, quote, reacted like a gong when having material from Apollo missions, Apollo 12 and 13, crash objects into the moon to test the seismographs. NASA confirmed that. Maybe you don't believe NASA. All right. But something somewhere has to give. If you don't believe NASA, if you don't believe the sailing stones move because of ice and water, something somewhere has to give. We can't have so many contradictory stories that explain things but don't explain things. You can't say the stones are moving because of ice and water and environmental conditions, but then say, well, the things on the moon are moving for different reasons because if they're the same thing, there's got to be a, a similar explanation for it, I'd imagine, unless these are not actual rocks. And maybe they're, they're vehicles, but these are big objects, big objects. So they would have to be very, 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 very large, very, very heavy rocks to be moving with some wind. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything. I mean, you, unless it's like sustained winds, you have to question where this is coming from. So the moon clearly has an atmosphere and an environment. And if you don't want to believe that, then please find a more plausible explanation for why these objects are moving on the surface of the moon. This is what I'm presenting to you. You do not have to accept it. I do not care. You know you don't have to accept it, and you know that I don't care. I'm simply presenting you with the information. And I really want to know what you think about this because you might have a different perspective than me. You probably do have a different perspective than me. Maybe you've never heard of this before. But if you want some information on it, or if you'd like to present your opinion or your point of view, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. rdgable at yahoo.com. Sailing stones in Death Valley. Sailing stones on the moon. Where... Why, how, who, what? Something has to give. All these explanations cannot be correct. There's a disconnect and a confusion that otherwise results unless you suffer from cognitive dissonance and you believe two contradictory points of view simultaneously. Something's got to give. We come back from break on The Secret Teachings. We're going to play our montage where you'll hear some of the content pertaining to these sailing stones. Our montage we just put together for tonight. It'll be in the montage archive at thesecretteachings.info. And we'll go deeper into this subject on the other side. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Sailing stones on Earth, on the moon. Do they sail because of the same reasons? Or is there something more organic, synthetic, artificial about the ones that move on the moon? 
Either the moon has an environment or something or somebody is active on the moon. And it was photographed by the Apollo missions. It's in NASA archives. And I'll give you the information on that again when we come back from break right here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM. listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. How do you think you would react if you knew the truth? The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info you could listen to this and that show is now running all day friday and all day saturday on history channel which is really amazing since i don't know if there's any other show on tv that's doing that right now so i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books. www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on, and my secret TV, and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you? So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. 
or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back him. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination, where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. Welcome to a future where our true re reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. You are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM where you can catch The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable five nights a week after Lighting the Void with Joe Rube. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. That's just a stupid boulder. It's not just a boulder. For years, enormous stones have been moving across the racetrack playa of Death Valley National Park, leaving engraved trails in the muddy surface behind. It's just one of these sort of geological mysteries that, like, everybody knows about, but we don't know about it. No human moved these stones. It's not just a boulder, it's a rock! No one understood how, though there were a bunch of speculations. And now, a group of scientists say the mystery has a dry lake bed in the valley known as the Racetrack Playa has become famous for being dotted with hundreds of stones, some as heavy as 700 pounds, that move across the desert floor and leave long trails behind them. But until recently, nobody has been able to prove what actually makes the stones move. It's this extraordinary sense that this rock shouldn't be there. Some of the trails hundreds of yards long, sort of parallel console. It's really exceptional for rocks to move somehow by themselves. Sheet ice forms around the rocks, lifting them clear of the lake bed. When the ice thaws, it breaks up. Some of it clings to the rock, forming a kind of floating lifesaver. On the slippery mud of the lake bed, a gentle push from the wind is enough to slide the rocks along the valley floor. If the ice is somehow floating the rocks, then you hardly need any wind at all, actually, to, to move it. 
Researchers say they observed some rocks traveling more than 60 meters in one motion. Because they only used small test rocks, the scientists say they can't be 100% sure about their theory since they haven't observed how the bigger, heavier rocks move. So guys, the mystery is not completely solved. How did these massive giant rocks move about? Maybe through the same conditions as smaller rocks, but maybe not. No human moved these stones. It's a big, beautiful, old rock. All the pioneers used to ride these babies for miles. For years, enormous stones have been moving across the racetrack playa of Death Valley National Park, leaving engraved trails in the muddy surface behind. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Sailing stones in Death Valley, are they moved by ice and water and wind or something else? If they are moved by environmental conditions, then we have another phenomenon to explain on the moon, where these rocks have also been seen moving, dating back to Apollo missions. NASA has snapped many photos of these rocks moving across the surface of the moon, but there's been little to no addressing of the subject. NASA photo number 67H1135, that's 67H1135 LOV, shows an object rolling up and down hills on craters. The object is estimated to be 75 feet across inside of the crater Vitello. Above this object in the photograph is another smaller object moving on the surface of the moon. You can zoom in and get a better look at this thing. It's a very, very large object casting a very large shadow on the surface of the moon. Another photograph from Apollo 16, photo number 16-19067, that's photo number 16-19067, shows for over 30 miles a straight line of an object rolling across, down into a crater, across a crater, and what looks like up the other side again. So we have many questions to contend with here. Again, if rocks are moving in Death Valley because of environmental conditions, and that's a plausible explanation, and that it's a logical explanation, it's the correct explanation, how are these things moving on the surface of the moon? There are many implicating things here. Number one, the moon has an atmosphere, and it's a recent atmosphere, not an atmosphere that was destroyed hundreds or thousands of years ago, but it has an atmosphere perhaps right now as we speak. And it had an atmosphere in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when the moon was being scoped out and eyed, and objects were being landed on the moon including two objects from the middle Apollo missions, 12 and 13, where larger segments of the lunar module and the Saturn V rocket were crashed into the moon, and they found that the moon reverberated like a gong and that it rang like a bell, which confirmed other theories that the moon itself was hollow. So... If the moon has an atmosphere, that would be 
an interesting twist on the information pertaining to the moon being a hollowed-out spherical object, more than a homogeneous sphere. Because if that were the case, it would kind of be like Independence Day 2 when Jeff Goldblum's in that little spaceship and the locust alien craft comes down on the Earth and it's so massive. So The thing is so massive, it takes up like a quarter of the planet. It's just a ridiculous movie. But it's so massive and it it has its own gravitational pull. It has like its own atmosphere, its own environment. It's so big. Well, the moon, if it were an artificial construct, it were something much like that ship in Independence Day 2, then it might have its own environment. See, I'm trying to work this out. So if it is an environment, maybe it's part of the environment of a very large space station. Sounds insane, but this is not my opinion. This is putting together information from NASA and putting together information from journalists and researchers and Russian scientists. But let's say that the rocks on the moon are not moving because of environmental conditions, and let's say this has nothing to do with the so-called hollow moon. Let's say that something is operating these things, that these are objects that are not just blowing with the wind. I mean, obviously, there's no wind on the moon, if that is to be believed. So how are these objects moving if they are just stones? Well, maybe they're not just stones. Maybe they're some kind of mining device or testing device. Maybe these are objects that are scouting devices, and the trail that they're leaving behind is just the tracks of the object. Maybe this is an outpost to watch Earth, or maybe it's an outpost to distant planets and distant stars. The bottom line is we really have no idea. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is I can sit here and I can tell you I have all the answers, but I don't. And there are others that can sit there and tell you they have all the answers. They've got insiders, but they don't. There are people that know a lot more than me, and there's a lot of information that we'll probably never have access to. But with what we do have access to, a couple of NASA photographs, for example, and they show the same phenomenon, or at least the same seemingly similar, seemingly the same phenomenon, that we see on Earth, and the one on Earth is explainable through environmental conditions. One might think that the ones on the moon are likewise explained through environmental conditions. If they're not, then that might propose a more eerie, disturbing question. What are they, and what or who is controlling these objects moving across the surface of the moon? You'd really have to think about what the moon is. You know, you have all these moon theories, right? In fact, just a couple of hours ago, just tonight, Thursday, late September 2020, a report came out from Space.com about the giant impact theory of the moon's formation. Scientists say they found more differences between the Earth and moon rocks. They say they found fresh evidence of lunar rocks showing that the moon was likely formed after a Mars-sized planet crashed into the proto-Earth more than 4 billion 
years ago. That's a long time ago. A NASA-led team examined moon rocks brought back to Earth by Apollo astronauts more than 50 years ago. We talked about some of these rocks in the first segment. Some of them were magnetized. Some of these rocks were showing signs of rust. These are things that should not be found on the moon, plus substances that are not natural in the environment, to keep things really simple. Things that are not natural in the environment and that should not have been found on the moon. It's reported that uranium-236 and neptunium-237 were found on the moon, and that obviously, it goes without saying, should not be the case. So these rocks that were investigated, the samples were looked at with advanced tools that were not available to researchers in the 60s and 70s, and this new team of researchers found further evidence of the so-called giant impact theory by focusing on the amount and type of chlorine in the rocks, according to the study. The researchers discovered the moon has a higher concentration of heavy chlorine compared to Earth, which sports more light chlorine. The terms heavy and light refer to versions of the chlorine atom known as isotopes that contain different numbers of uh, neutrons in their nuclei. Shortly after the collision, scientists speculate because they have no idea, shortly after the collision, Earth was just able to stay together. They've got video footage of this, I'm sure. And pieces of both planets, this Mars-sized object and the Earth, were blasted into space, and they coalesced to form the moon. Good theory. That would get you in, you know, E for effort. And then both of these bodies had a mix of light and heavy chlorine isotopes at first, but that mix began to change as Earth's gravity pulled on the newly forming moon. As the cosmic bodies continued taking new shape after the crash, Earth tugged away the lighter chlorine towards itself, leaving the harder-to-move heavy chlorine on the moon. This left the moon depleted of lighter chlorine uh, compared to the heavier isotope. Study co-author Justin Simon, a NASA planetary scientist, said, There's a huge difference between the modern elemental makeup of the Earth and the moon, and we wanted to know why. Now we know that the moon was very different from the start, and it's probably because of the giant impact theory. There's a word you don't really want when you're publishing a scientific report, do you? Probably because of the giant impact theory. Well, you probably are wrong. But since I don't have a PhD or letters to my name, it doesn't matter because this guy works for NASA and it doesn't really matter what anybody else says because he's a NASA scientist. The funny thing is, as a NASA scientist, if he were to say something contrary to the giant impact theory, he might also find the letters next to his name deleted and in the unemployment line because they won't tolerate dissent. So anything that's within the confines within the structure of the giant impact theory or the whack theory or the whack-off theory or whatever they call it. It was like the whack theory. Once they gave it one whack, that didn't work, so they whacked it off a second time, and it didn't work a second time, so now they're like, it's a, it's a giant impact theory. Now things are hitting the earth. It's a giant... They have absolutely no idea. They've talked about things hitting the earth, things hitting the moon, things exploding above the earth. They have no idea what's going on. People can't even figure out what happened yesterday. People don't remember what they had for breakfast, okay? With photographic evidence, you can't remember what you did sometimes, okay? So don't tell me someone can figure out what happened four or five billion years ago. You have some core samples, and you have some chlorine, and you have some chemicals that you can analyze, and you can get a kind of an idea. Yeah, science can provide you with kind of an idea. And that's why in the report, Justin Simon of NASA said, 
it's probably because of the giant impact theory. Not because it is, because it's probably. That's just a guess. I'm not attacking NASA. I'm not attacking Justin Simon. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just making an observation. The Space.com article proceeds to say that the scientists also checked their understanding by looking at other elements that are halogens in the same chemical family as chlorine. Other light halogens are also abundant on the moon, and the team could not see any pattern that would suggest a later event caused the loss. The new study was published in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. That's the big one. It was led by Anthony Gargano, a graduate fellow at NASA's Astromaterials Research and Exploration Science Division at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. Well, with that report, I'd say, Houston, we have a problem. The problem is this is baseline science, and it's not definitive, meaning that science, because its observation is fluid with the observations of the observers, i.e. the scientists who are conducting the scientific investigation. And if the observations are fluid because you don't always have all the information, then the results likewise will be fluid meaning that you cannot take the results of something that is incomplete and make a conclusive determining statement. It cannot be determined that it's accurate. It cannot be conclusive that it's accurate. They're they're not sure. So what a lot of researchers do is they take the evidence and they alter it. So when they take the evidence and they alter it, it aligns with their predetermined conclusion rather than altering their theory to align with the actual evidence, which, sure, is still fluid, but the theory should be fluid as well. Again, it's probably because of the giant impact theory. So once they've whacked the moon off a couple of times, okay, and they got it all excited and happy, then they just said, well, we're not really sure still. It's probably like that. We're not really sure. This isn't an insult to science. It's just, you know, they don't know. But there are scientific points of view, if you will, that I think are more accurate than others. I'm probably going to listen to my intuition while I listen to what Justin Simon and NASA have to say in the same way that I'll listen to my intuition when I hear what people like David Wilcock have to say. And my intuition will probably say they're both wrong, but if one was more accurate than the other... I'm probably going to go with NASA, because although NASA is never a straight answer, at least it's an answer, and people like David Wilcock and all these other con artists and the people that play telephone for conspiracy theories, they don't provide an answer, they provide distraction, so you can't recognize that they have no clue what they're talking about and that there's literally hot air coming out of every one of their orifices. Doesn't mean I like NASA, it just means that if I had to pick... I'd probably pick NASA, although I think NASA's also wrong. Does that make me right? No. NASA's more correct than me. I just don't think NASA's completely correct. And I bet you if you talk to one of these people, they would tell you if they were honest. We don't know because it's probably true. We just aren't sure. So let's see how this works. You can get so many reports on this that it's just it's just confusing. So some of the moon rocks were estimated in the 60s and 70s to be four and a half billion years old. It's pretty old, four and a half billion years old. Many of the rocks 
dated to four and a half billion years old, which is like the estimated age of our entire solar system almost. At the Lunar Conference in 1973, it was unveiled how one rock was dated to 5.3 billion years. Now, what does that tell you? You could jump to the immediate conclusion, well, some simple math here. If something's 5.3 billion years old, that's older than 4.5 billion years. It's older than 5.2 billion years. And 0.1 billion, that's still a lot of years. So some might think, well, what this means is that the rock on the moon, the rock on the moon that was found 5.3 billion years old, is actually older than some of the rocks on the Earth, which have been dated to 3.5 billion years or so. The Earth itself is dated to 4.5 billion years. We're playing with numbers here like Joe Biden. One million, billion, quadrillion, whatever. The, the point is, folks, it's a lot of money. Okay, go to, go to Joe 3033 million, billion, trillion, billion, quadrillion, zillion, zillion, 700 million dot com. The guy has no clue. All right. NASA has no clue. Scientists have no clue. This is their best guess. That's what science is. It's a best guess. All right. That's what radio and journalism is. It's really a best guess based on factual information. Okay. At least at least as, as factual as you can obtain it. And then we conduct analysis. And then we learn and we grow and we realize we make mistakes and we move on. That's what this is about. So 5 billion years old, it's older than the Earth. So how is that possible that the moon is older than the Earth? Sounds like, well, the moon clearly came from somewhere else. It's the age of the solar system. It's older than the Earth. It came from somewhere else. Well, although that fits nicely into the theory that the moon was towed here by aliens which might actually be true, and I'm not mocking that at all. I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think that's a very plausible explanation. But it doesn't mean that the moon came from somewhere else because the rock that was identified to be over 5 billion years old, which is older than the Earth and much older than the oldest Earth rock ever examined, which that doesn't make sense either. How can the oldest rock be 3.5 billion, but the Earth be estimated at 4.5 billion? Shouldn't they have found rocks that were 4.5 billion years old? I don't know. It's all very confusing. You get into these numbers, it's a million, billion, quadrillion, and I, you got no clue what's going on, okay? You need to, you're going to have an aneurysm. So 5 billion years old just might mean that this rock came from another solar system, right? It crashed into the moon, and then they analyzed it, and that's what they got. Makes sense? I think it makes sense. I think it's a very plausible explanation. It's not that the moon was towed here from another alien civilization. It's just that, although I think that's plausible... It's just that that particular rock was actually from another place, like not an alien civilization, or maybe an alien civilization, I don't know, but from somewhere else. However, however, maybe if the moon were towed here, obviously there's a thick skeletal structure to this object that's hollow, and if it was towed here, like a Death Star in a sense, then maybe it ran into all these things in space and it picked up some of these old rocks. That's plausible, isn't it not? I mean, I don't see how it's, how it's not plausible. I mean, these, these, aren't even, these aren't even my theories. These are theories of Russian and American scientists that have proposed these theories, or the Russians proposed it in the 70s in the journal Sputnik, the paper Sputnik, but the Americans kind of proposed it in the 60s and 70s, when they ran lunar modules into the moon and found out that the damn thing was hollow, and that was very strange because even NASA researchers and NASA scientists were like, yeah, that shouldn't 
be like that. Lon Hood from the University of Arizona, others like Dr. Gordon McDonald from NASA in the 60s, even Ken Johnson, who was a supervisor of the data and photo control programs for Apollo, said, quote, or said it was, quote, almost as though it, the moon, had gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside of it. Why don't you hear about this? Why don't you read about this anymore? You don't see any kind of content like this because people are focused on the flat earth. There's literally more evidence that the moon is a hollowed out object that was potentially manufactured in deep space and then brought here like the literal Death Star. What do you think? Lucas got the idea for that. He pulled it out of his asshole. No, he got it from the same place that people have theorized and told stories for hundreds and thousands of years that the moon was brought here from somewhere else, from Africa to Greece. The moon was not there at one point in history. George Lucas got the information, and then he made some Star Wars movies and became a billionaire. Okay, so it's not George Lucas came first, and then the theories, it's the theories and the facts, and then George Lucas came along and said, I'm going to include that in the movie. So now that we're past that, we can understand that when you analyze what scientists had analyzed, you find a whole bunch of anomalies. You find water detected on the moon in the 70s. March 17, 1971, water vapor discovered on the moon when Apollo instruments recorded vast waves of water erupting basically in big gushers that lasted for 14 hours and covered over 100 square miles or roughly 100 square miles. I mean, there's even Apollo video footage. You can see things erupting from the surface of the moon. Uh, It's active. There's something active about it. It's alive. It's alive. Then, of course, you have the little bit of an issue with the fact that the moon, according to those like Alan Butler, really isn't what it should be because it's got some strange uh, mathematical anomalies to it in a sense. It just kind of so happens to be in the perfect position, like the absolute perfect position to exist in its current state and you know, the whole thing with eclipses and you do some mathematics and do some division and all just, it just comes out like someone who is manufacturing a, you know, a, a Swiss watch. That's always the analogy. It's like, okay, so what does that even mean? Is, does it mean anything at all? Does it have any, is there any point to that? Well, if it came from somewhere else, just let's think about it for a second. Greek authors Aristotle and Plutarch, they wrote of a people called the Proselenes who existed before a time when there was a moon. They they wrote this, that the Proselenes existed during a time, quote, before there was a moon in the heavens. That's pretty interesting. Other writers have talked about an ancient people who lived in Arcadia. The Romans, Apollonius, Rhodius, and Ovid talked about those people. Our good friend Jim Mars, Jim Mars wrote an alien agenda. It's a quote from Jim. 
Plutarch also referred to pre-lunar people in Arcadia, and the Roman author Ovid stated that the Arcadian folk is older than the moon. Apollonius wrote of the Arcadians that they, quote, dwelt on the mountains and fed on acorns before there was a moon. And Jim Mars goes on to describe in Alien Agenda, which is a fantastic book. We gave away one of our last copies recently. That the term proslians means before the moon. I don't know if that's accurate, but I trust in the authorship of Jim Mars. There are also Tibetan texts referring to a people from a lost continent called Gondwana, which was supposed to have been civilized before there was a moon shining in the sky. So what does all of this have to do with sailing stones? Well, it makes us a little bit more aware of the anomalies of the moon, for one. And two, it allows us to proceed in questioning what exactly are those objects moving on the surface of the moon. Are they related to this spaceship? Are they related to something that's very easily identifiable and explainable by what we consider to be the highest level of mainline observational science? Or is it something that we've yet to consider or yet to think about? What do you think? rdgable at yahoo.com If those rocks are moving on Earth and Death Valley, racetrack Plia from environmental conditions, does the moon have an environment? rdgable at yahoo.com rdgable at yahoo.com If you enjoy this show and you'd like to listen to the entire archive, you can do it at www.thesecretteachings.info That's how you support the show. When you subscribe, you also get access to the montages and the digital books, or you can subscribe just weekly to the archive. Some people do that just to kind of have a weekly donation to the show. We appreciate that more than you know. And you can buy the books on the website as well. Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and the Technological Elixir, which has a good section on UFO cults in it. www.thesecretteachings.info. That's how we support the show. That's what keeps us on air five nights a week right here on The Fringe FM. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. TheFringe.fm. We'll be back on The Secret Teachings. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. How do you think you would react if you knew the truth? The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. You could listen to this. And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, 
and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books. www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and The Secret Teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on, and my secret TV, and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you? They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. Did you buy Alexa? No, I don't know why people would voluntarily bug your own house. Like, do you think you're the only one listening in on that? You never saw weird science, how creepy these nerds are? All these cameras on your phone, all of that. Do people go on Ancestry.com? Why would you send your saliva into the internet? Why don't you just go to the Illuminati and help them build your robot replacement? Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. If 
you're God and you made the whole universe, are you just going to sit back watching one planet? Maybe that's why the Earth is so fucked up. I don't think he's been watching us for the last couple thousand. When was the last time he reached out? When was the last time he went up was in a burning bush going, hey, hey, you there, you there with the long curvy stick next to the sheep? I think he's been watching other Earths. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Hey guys, it's Giorgio Tsoukalos from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. That's just a stupid boulder. It's not just a boulder. It's a rock. A rock. A rock. For years, enormous stones have been moving across the racetrack playa of Death Valley National Park, leaving engraved trails in the muddy surface behind. It's just one of these sort of geological mysteries that, like, everybody knows about, but we don't know about it. No human moved these stones. No one understood how, though there were a bunch of speculations. And now a group of scientists say the mystery has been solved. A dry lake bed in the valley known as the Racetrack Playa has become famous for being dotted with hundreds of stones, some as heavy as 700 pounds, that move across the desert floor and leave long trails behind them. But until recently, nobody had been able to prove what actually makes the stones move. There's an extraordinary sense that this rock shouldn't be there. Some of the trails hundreds of yards long, sort of parallel console. It's really exceptional for rocks to move somehow by themselves. Sheet ice forms around the rocks, lifting them clear of the lake bed. When the ice thaws, it breaks up. Some of it clings to the rock, forming a kind of floating lifesaver. On the slippery mud of the lake bed, a gentle push from the wind is enough to slide the rocks along the valley floor. If the ice is somehow floating the rocks, then you hardly need any wind at all, actually, to, to move it. Researchers say they observed some rocks traveling more than 60 meters in one motion. Because they only used small test rocks, the scientists say they can't be 100% sure about their theory since they haven't observed how the bigger, heavier rocks move. So guys, the mystery is not completely solved. How did these massive giant rocks move about? Maybe through the same conditions as smaller rocks, but maybe not. No human moved these stones. It's a big, beautiful, old rock. Oh, the pioneers used to ride these babies for miles. For years, enormous stones have been moving across the racetrack playa of Death Valley National Park, leaving engraved trails in the muddy surface behind. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Sailing Stones, Death Valley Racetrack Playa. These sailing stones move, according to scientists, from environmental conditions. Water that occurs and that pulls in the valley, and then the water freezes, and then the rocks on the ice, as they're lifted, begin to slide as the water sinks into the dirt, 
turns into mud and moves these rocks, some of them weighing up to 700 pounds across the desert valley. And this has baffled scientists for years. In fact, some of the accounts go back to the 1850s of these rocks moving and everything from alien intervention, which is your classic, to environmental conditions, to even bacterium has been suggested as the cause of these stones moving across the desert floor. Now, this story might sound like a very, very simple and a very, very easily understandable and explainable subject. And it might seem as if this story is not so fringe or it's not so odd, but that's not what gets me. The Shyamalan twist here is these objects have also been discovered on the moon and not recently discovered on the moon. If we go back to 2013, Live Science, science publication, there was a story published there about the mystery of Death Valley sailing stones and how the mystery was solved. This was in June of 2013. The scientists that had been working on the mystery of the stones and how some stones, which weighed up to 700 pounds, some of them moving across the desert for 820 feet or 250 meters, some of them curving, some of them stopping, and on a dime turning in a different direction. Now that doesn't seem as explainable by environmental conditions, especially if the wind is blowing in the same direction, right? This is from Live Science in 2013. In some cases, the Roxas trails were measured to be as long as 820 feet or 250 meters. Some of the trails formed a graceful curve, while other trails created a straight line, then an abrupt shift to the left or right, which further baffled researchers. You think, you're like, really? Like, even if that makes sense, these stones are moving because of the wind, then they just, like, they stop and they're like, I'm going to go in that direction now. That doesn't sound like ice and it doesn't sound like water. So people have suggested maybe bacteria. I guess bacteria gets large enough that it can carry rocks and chooses to carry rocks across the desert. And if that were the case, these conditions have to exist in other parts of the world. There should be sailing stones all over the face of planet Earth if that were the case. Anytime you have a stone in your front yard, it should be moving around like it's basically a pet rock. But that doesn't happen. So there's clearly something else going on here. Some people have suggested magnetic fields. Some people have suggested that there are, you know, magnetic qualities to these rocks and that there are underground tunneling devices that move under the desert floor and when they move under the desert floor, it pulls these rocks in one direction or another. I don't know. I think the explanation of the ice and the water is still the most plausible, but then when you start thinking about how these rocks turn, essentially, as they say, on a dime and they go in a different direction, I mean, that is not explainable by the mainline theory. So either way, though, let's just consider that the theory is, is accurate. Okay, it's accurate. Let's say they do move because of environmental conditions. So if they move because of environmental conditions, then we have a little bit of a, 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 little bit of a problem here because what that means is whatever you've been told, whatever I've been told, whatever you learned about the moon... Why are you bringing the moon up? What does the moon have to do with anything? Let me tell you. What you think you know about the moon is wrong. 
And what I mean by that is I'm going to give you two photographs to look up. You look these up in NASA archives. Some of them might take a little bit to dig up. But you want to look up NASA photograph number 6767H1135. So number 67-H-1135. L-O-V. And you should be able to pull this up. This is an, an official NASA photograph. One of the Apollo missions. And you can see this object moving across the surface of the moon. Now that is very strange. And perhaps if it were just one object, it could be explainable in some more, you know, anomalous way, which is just a way to say we don't understand what it is. So it's just an anomaly. And that's all that really matters. It's junk DNA and we can't explain it. Okay. So that would explain the object if it were just an anomaly, but it's not an anomaly. Apollo 16, photo number 16-19067. That's photograph number 16-19067. Photograph number 16-19067. And you can see another object, this one perhaps more fascinating, moving across the surface into a crater, down a crater, across a crater, and then up the other side. Now, I went and found some of these photographs years and years and years ago, and I put them in one of the first books I wrote called the called TPI, The Persistent Illusion. It's not for sale anymore, but sometimes people contact me, and they'll give me like 10, 15 bucks, and I'll send them the book because it's, a, it's, an enorm- it's like eight, 900 pages. Uh, my first two of my first three books were over almost a thousand pages each. And in this book, I had some of these photographs. And one of the photographs was LOV frame 168-H2. You just type this in. In fact, fact, let me give you the whole, uh, I don't know if it'll even come up anymore. I could test it right now. Let's see if it even comes up. Yeah, see, the URL is not found, so they moved it again. But they they had this on uh, NASA's website, nasa.gov. And you, you could look up the image. It was uh, LOV, so LO5-H168-2. That's how they had it cataloged on their site. But the actual frame is frame 168-H2. And this object, and, and that's a lot of numbers I understand, but this object is a crystal, crystal clear image of the object rolling down what looks like, you know, the side of a crater or part of a mountain, and then just it moves in a straight line, too. Just moves in a straight line. Now, you could say, well, this object, you know, in relationship to uh, the sailing stones, it's different because this is coming down off a mountain. It's just a rock that fell. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding of that explanation. That might be exactly what I'm looking at here. However, there are other photographs from NASA, as I've given you, where they show you rocks moving and they're not just coming down off of a mountain but then again maybe it's the context and maybe it's the way that the the uh, positioning of the image is is taken and this is a really important key thing if you read the book alien bases on the moon you can see photograph number 67h1135 lov that is the same image Listen to this. That's the same image as frame 168-H2. So when you look up 67H1135, you can't find that image anymore. NASA changed the name of the image. And I can't determine 
if NASA changed the orientation of the image or if the author of this book changed the orientation of the image. And I'm pretty sure it was the latter because there are other images in this book that have been changed and altered that do not look like what NASA had in their archives. And I don't think that NASA edited all of these things for that reason. It looks like NASA intentionally changed the images, and so did the author of this book. Although I can't say that for sure, the images are definitely different. The one that I can see from NASA is a crystal clear aerial view, and the one from the author, Fred Steckling, is a side view, close up, and doesn't give you much context to what you're seeing. So yes, maybe the rock is rolling off of a mountain. However, Apollo 16 photos show the same phenomenon, and rocks moving across the ground, down into a crater, and so on and so forth. So clearly something's moving on the moon. What is it? I don't know. Your guess is probably as good as mine. But if you don't believe that the moon is a real thing and that the earth is flat, then my guess is still better than yours. And although I don't necessarily have an explanation better than ice and water and wind in Death Valley... I think the scientists also understand that that doesn't necessarily explain why a 700-pound rock can move 820 feet in some cases, abruptly stop, and then shift left or right on a dime like it stopped at a stop sign and then made a left or a right turn legally. That doesn't explain why that rock moved. That is very, very strange. But we can go further. ScienceAlert.com reported just in December of last year, this is recent, about sailing stones dating back 200 million years. Now, hear me out. I don't agree that the dating is fully accurate, but that means two things. One, it means you can't be entirely accurate to the day and the time. Like, this fossil occurred 3.37.5612312 billion years ago, and it was on what we would have uh, on the calendar as June 7th of this year, you know. So I don't, I understand that I don't think it's exactly accurate, but of course, most of these estimates are within like 25 million years, so it's, it's an estimate. So I'm with you on that. I understand it's not exactly accurate, but here's the point. Scientists looked at this, and until recently, a paleontologist, Paul Olson of Columbia University, looked at this fossil, which has been on display since 1896, a fossil of the skin texture of a pasauropod, an early sauropod. Been on display since 1896. No one thought anything of it, and then Paul Olson looks at it and says, actually, that mark on the fossil, it's got a big sliding like smear on it. He said, I think that might be a sailing stone. And so he goes on to talk about the sailing stones in this article, and they had to rule out that these were microbes first, and once they were able to do that, they said they believed the rocks set sail with the help of microbial mats like those in the mud flats in Spain. They said there the rocks are pushed across the slippery mud by wind-generated water waves, leaving sailing stone tracks in the microbial mats. However, the other astonishing features of this fossil pretty much ruled that option out. Okay, so if that were the case, how is that part of the explanation of what it is? Unless you're very explicit that, hey, this is not what it was. So that's not what it was. They don't really know what it was, except they say maybe... It's what's happening in racetrack Playa, 
where the mystery of the Selling Stones, they say, was solved in 2014, although it wasn't solved in 2014, according to Science Alert, the science website. It wasn't solved in 2014. Going back to 2013 and 2014, the stories of the Selling Stones were just theories because, again, they said, look, some of the trails formed a graceful curve while other trails created a straight line, then an abrupt shift to the left or right, which further baffled researchers. In other words, they don't fully understand it. So this is how science is wrong sometimes. Take a line from Sunny in Philadelphia. Science is wrong sometimes. And some of these people are just stupid science bitches. Some, sometimes science is wrong. Well, science isn't wrong, of course. It's the scientists who are wrong who assume and presume too much. So if... Let's just say that these stones, for sake of conversation, these stones move because of the water and the ice. Let's take a trip back to the moon. Let's take a trip to the moon. You know, a trip to the moon. Remember that? A trip to the moon. A trip to the moon. You know what that is? 1902 sci-fi adventure, 18-minute long They shot that bullet with humans to the moon. You know what they found in that? Remember what they found in that movie? They shoot this bullet with humans to the moon. They get to the moon, and they find all these underground caverns with plants and creatures. And it was nineteen hundred and two. Think about that for a second. Nineteen hundred and two. So this is an idea that's been around for a very, very long time. It didn't begin in the sixties. It didn't begin in the 70s. It didn't begin in the 21st century. It didn't begin with, you know, Gaia TV and YouTube. The idea of this kind of science fiction, this is 120 years ago this came out. And it has the same kind of content that you find in movies like... And it has the same kind of content that you find NASA discovering 60 something years later, 70-something years later, that Russian scientists theorized on 70-something years later. This is really, really interesting. So let's take a trip back to the moon. Take a trip to the moon. We see these objects moving on the moon. Context is important. Maybe some of these rocks are just falling, and they're just rolling, and that's it. They're just falling rocks. But the trails they leave are very, very similar to what we see at Racetrack Play in the same way that this character... Paul Olson from Columbia University compared this fossil to racetrack playa and compared it to Spain first, these objects that move in Spain, and then compared it to racetrack playa as the only explanation. It wasn't microbial, thought that it was environmental, and then said, well, this was solved back in 2014. It was not solved in 2014. If I go back and read the articles in 2014, they have no idea what's happening except that they have a more plausible explanation. And if that is the explanation then what is happening on the moon? So now let's see what NASA has to say. And so this article from The Sun, in explaining what NASA's interpretation of this is, is a year removed from the article from Science Alert, and they tell us the same exact thing that we read in 2013 and 2014. We figured it out again. They keep figuring it out every year but never having a conclusion. And so they go on to explain, showing the same smear mark from Columbia University and Paul Olson from Columbia University. And NASA says, well, it's basically um, water, ice. 
They concluded that the ice method was more likely because the details preserved in the dinosaur footprint from Columbia University would not have been as intricate if uh, microbes had been involved. You see how things are really difficult to understand because 2013, they can't figure out why they stop and turn left or right. That's the conclusion. And then in 2019, this guy from Columbia University says, hey, I think I found a sailing stone, and I think it's similar to Death Valley more than it is Spain. And then a little less than a year later, NASA's like, we figured it out again. We're just going to rehash what all those other guys said. And what they said was, you know, it's basically inconclusive. It's like Mythbusters when they drop that piece of metal down and it says busted or proved or it says plausible. That's that's basically what it is. It's just like plausible. They don't know. They're guessing. If you read all the stories, they're guessing. Just like the giant impact theory of the moon's formation. Sailing stones on Earth, sailing stones in the moon. If they are caused by environmental conditions, the moon has an environment. If the moon has an environment, it could be natural, it could be artificial because the object is so large that it generates its own atmosphere. Or perhaps it's an artificial atmosphere that mimics a natural atmosphere. Perhaps there are things that go walk around on the surface and control objects. Perhaps those objects are controlled by machines. They are artificial intelligence. We don't know. All we know is that there's a phenomenon on Earth that's very, very interesting, very, very intriguing, very, very explainable, but it gets to a point where it's not explainable, but that doesn't mean science cannot explain it sometime. It might be 10 years from now. There might be an article out tomorrow morning that says scientists once again explain what's happening in Death Valley. But I want you to look up in the night sky, look at the moon, and try to explain why there are objects up there moving. Because it's going to decimate our understanding of the moon, our solar system, and history if there can be a parallel explanation for why these things are moving on the moon. If it's not environmental, something's moving them. And not every photo is out of context from the Apollo archives. Not every photo is zoomed in and cut off like some of the ones in the Steckling book. Some of the photos are very legitimate, high resolution, and you can say, well, NASA just put those there to hide them. Well, they're hiding them really well. It's hard to find them, so I I guess that's just a multi-level conspiracy then. I don't think that's what it is. I think there's something that's obvious, and just like I've said time and 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 time again, you want disclosure of something, it's right in front of your face. It's just not the disclosure that you want. It is, however, the disclosure that you deserve. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Check it out at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can subscribe to the archive. When you subscribe, you get access to every show. You can download it and stream it. The show goes up within 48 hours of the airing. I try to get it up within 12 to 24. You get access to the montages with your subscription and my books in digital form on the website. And although my original books are really old, I've also put those up there as well. So you can look through The Persistent Illusion and you can see some of those photographs I mentioned tonight. Uh, but obviously my perspective has changed in the last decade of since I wrote those books. So, you know, some of the information is not so thorough as it might be today. So analytical as it might be today. You can find my new books, though, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy and the Technological Elixir on the website also, www 
thesecretteachings.info. Find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, the Fringe FM on Facebook as well, my personal page, Ryan Gable, or just email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast right here on The Fringe.